Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. The, the, uh, we are one week closer to the NFL season getting started, Andy. Uh, whether or not you realize it, your uh, NFL teams will start reporting to training camp this week. First team, Broncos, on Wednesday will show up. Uh, already circulating some pictures of, uh, of the very handsome uh, Joe Flacco looking just like he's straight out of res- rescued from the top of Mount Elbers in the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, but yes, football is upon yeah, us. Yeah, he went on a, like a spirit quest or something, and just came out of the mountains. Old <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson. I don't know what's going on. He yeah, looks sick. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he doesn't look healthy. He looks elite though, still. So I don't know. But yep. yes, very excited. We're getting dangerously close to team activities. We're getting more and more news, and even even though it's not uh, the NFL and what we love the absolute most we're getting media days in college football i'm seeing a lot of that in my twitter timeline and just you know even if it's college not nfl it just it's just another you know a bringer of good news a harbinger yeah, yeah. harbinger um, of football speaking of college football we're going to have a uh, college football episode eventually here where we bring in Lockie Lockerson uh, to talk to us about the uh, the preview book that he's written for this upcoming season uh, i appreciate that sort of stuff because that's about as much as i can possibly hope to do preparing for college football betting and if i do any college football betting it's almost all kind of uh, you know straight out of you know, someone who I consider to be an advantage player, and um, but but mostly I am interested in you know kind of the the research and angles that he's you know dug up uh, in the off season, and that's, that's going to be a great read. So, uh, looking forward to talking to Lockie about college football. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're going to dive into NFL power numbers. We're going to hit it from a million different angles. Um, but before we even get into that. But- Record scratch. What did you think of Wimbledon? What did you think of the Wimbledon semifinals, finals? Uh, I know it was epic in terms of the length of the match. Um, I know it was kind of consequential in terms of the legacies of the two players who played in the finals. Um, what were your main takeaways from the Wimby final? It just, uh, I didn't care for the tiebreak, I guess. Um, I get the rule. I understand the rule if people are unfamiliar with I mean maybe some people are super unfamiliar with you know, what a tiebreak fucking works, what a fucking the, whiff. Yeah. What a whiff not to have to, to what a whiff to have it in place for the final. Like Yeah, what, you don't need it for the final. What? It's the rule is in place, yeah. So you don't end up playing what, you know, Isner and Mahout did years ago where they play for three days and then the guy who wins is just a dead man walking into the next round. You get a terrible, you know, terrible match. Any of these really long matches, you know, the the fatigue factor is going to pile up so hard. So they do that. But in this case, there is no next round. There's, this is it, you know, Joker and fed, they're not going to play in Newport. They're not going to go hit one of these clay tournaments this week. <laughs> they're, they're, um, I mean, we, we might not see either of these guys until Montreal. In Montreal, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in Montreal this year. So, Coupe Roger. Like, yeah, the Coupe Roger. Like, you're not going to see these guys for three weeks. Let them play until somebody wins by two. The tiebreak was 
anticlimactic. Um, just as far as a match goes, I was telling Kelly uh, at Big Ten Watto here on Twitter, one of my good buddies, and uh, my Twitter gambling tennis podcast co-host there on the Ball Boys, that when you do hedge, as I did, out of my Federer position, like it turns you, like you start cheering for the guy you bought out with. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yes. when, you, when you have a position and then you hedge out, you almost have to cheer it. And I hedged out perfectly, exactly. As far as no matter who won, I won the same amount. So it did not matter to me financially, but in your head, that just little seed of doubt, like, should I have hedged? And when fed had those match points, you're like, well, shit. I could have taken, you know, it would have been six could times the out. amount of money. Yeah, it would have been yeah six times the amount of money I could have had rather than uh, rather than the hedge. But then, well, you know, and even in that case, I was happy. I was cheering for Fed, even though you know I had that little bit of a psychological bias against uh, against Federer winning and proving my hedge wrong. In the long run, I'm glad I I hedged. I'm glad Kelly hedged because he he was deep into it, but he made some good bets too. Him, myself, uh, Jimmy, uh, Druffet of stuff there. We all hit a, uh, what was it, exact finalist exact, matchup. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, was like, it was about three to one. You could get Federer meets Joker in the finals. And, th- I mean, three to one was a gift. It wasn't a foregone conclusion, but it sh- certainly shouldn't have been that much. That was a really nice price. Yeah. Yeah, the semifinals were great. Even even Agu and uh, Joker, like, that was a good match. All things considered, uh, I figured Joker would get his revenge, and he did. And then, uh, obviously, I think out of those three final matches, I enjoyed Rafa Fed higher, more than it was higher Joker quality. Fed. Yeah, it was higher quality. It was higher quality, sure. and it didn't come down to tie breaks. Tie breaks are the penalty kicks of tennis. Yeah, like, that's it, a good There's a little bit of a, little bit of a good small analogy. sample randomness i mean it's not totally random you still got to win your points but it, it's a smaller sample and it's tough to end something on penalties or like the super over with the boundaries run scored in the <laughs> cricket <laughs> i don't even know if i said that right but i read a lot of comments about how that cricket ended, and people are furious it's, it sounds like it's almost like you know the seventh game of the World Series, and they had yeah. the two starting pitchers come out and do rock paper scissors, <laughs> or they you know they based it on like who hit the wall the most or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, yeah, so we won't get yeah. to, we won't get into cricket. But boy, cricket Twitter was mad. Ooh, yeah. What'd you think? Talk about unsatisfying. I mean, Wimbledon was a lot of fun. You made some money. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. I made some money on Halp teacher. I had her at 14 to 1. That came home. I was pretty psyched about that. I did not expect her to put a beat down on three Williams the way she did. That was, uh, I, you know, blinked and that match was over. Um, and yeah, Djokovic, Federer was not high quality. Uh, I thought by far, I don't want to say by far, but Federer was, was clearly the better player on the court. Uh, he had nerves, which I haven't seen from Federer in a really long time. Like the first set tiebreak, he had a couple of absolutely inexcusable shanks. He did it again in the third set, and he did it again in the final tiebreak. Like he literally could take three or four points where he played a little tight, and that was the difference. Uh, I thought he was the better player, though, overall. The fact that he choked away championship points, two championship points, was absolutely completely un. Federer characteristic. Um, and I feel bad because people are going to just kind of look at the records when it's all said and done and be like, 
you know, well, Djokovic is a better player because he's going to end up with more wins and more slams and have, you know, matches like this in his favor. Um, but, uh, but boy, is that a tough, that's a tough sell. Um, I love that there was a bunch of cultural relevancy for tennis. That was pretty cool. People were way into it. People all in the football gambling community were all, were all down. That was sweet. Um, you know, people, it's always cool. Woody Harrelson. That was fantastic. Woody Harrelson gifts were absolutely hysterical. Um, big cat becoming a part of the Knoll fam. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that cracked me up. I don't know. I, I don't know what he was How going does he on still with him have yesterday. Followers I, mean, show. Like, I love that there's people that like uh, they just haven't been around long enough to get the shtick. I love when oh, people argue incredible. with him when he's doing stuff like that. That, oh, that makes for good content. That was yep. yep. Djokovic is my goat. R- r- you know, discuss, and it just completely unraveled from there. It was hysterical. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know. You know, I, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't love Djokovic's game. I don't love his kind of attitude. I, he kind of, you know, he doesn't rub me exactly the right way as far as, you know, his, he, uh, I want to, you know, slander the guy, but like, I mean, you know, there, you there, there, there are a, a lot of things. Yeah, good. That I don't think you know you're making, but it goes back to, and it's a topic for a different day, but. This is difficult in individual sports, tennis, golf, uh, whatever else you have. I don't know if you really want to look at like uh, swimming or uh, if you can think of other individual sports, but you do build up some biases against players that you dislike. It's a much oh, easier sure. to forgive a team when it's like, ah, now they, you know, they don't have that quarterback I don't like anymore. I don't hate them as much. It's really difficult. That's a difficult, difficult part of capping. I mean, let's just stick to tennis. When there's a player you dislike, because there are players I dislike, and I really struggle with that sometimes. It's the same as, you know, when you're when you're forced to see that there's value against your hometown team. And you're a big fan of the Duke Blue Devils, but it's looking like you should be taking you should be taking Virginia in the points tonight. Like sometimes that's a hard trigger to pull, and and you see this a lot in tennis, a lot of tennis Twitter, especially gambling tennis Twitter. That's what bothers me the most. If you're just oh, yeah, a tennis yeah. fan, they, whatever, they, they all have when, allegiances. When yeah. someone, oh, they have the heaviest when when their Twitter bio is just a list of tennis players they like. But like, how can how can you stay you know, unbiased? <laughs> it's difficult. You're all, you know, you have your guys and you bet on them. That that's tricky. And you better yeah. hope you're right more often. Than not. Otherwise, you're you're just going to be hemorrhaging money because you're betting on a person you like rather than an edge against a price. So that's, yeah. that has always been a tricky. It's a slippery slope in tennis, and that's tough for me too because I like Fed and I don't like Noel all that much. And yeah, I, know. I really, really I, I mean, part of that almost kept me from hedging out of that future. Just because yeah. I said, I want Fed to win so bad. That yeah. It'll be double as good if I can get the money, too. Yeah. Thoughts from a betting perspe- perspective? Clearly, uh, you know, it, I thought clearly the opening line was tilted way in favor of Djokovic and did not make sense to me. I thought it should have been more like 140 you know, one minus 140 plus 120-ish or something is what I made it. So I was like, wow, there's a shitload of value on Fed here. Um, but in reality, like the value was live betting the match like that. Like when you have, you know, when, when you have that opportunity, like the live numbers, you could have gotten plus 200 on either player, like 10 different times before it even got to the fit set. And then in the fit set, obviously Djokovic got 50 to one, 50 to one to hundred to one down championship points. Like there was a lot of opportunities to get. Um, you know, to take arbitrage positions, scalp positions in the live markets that were, oh, yeah. uh, and I you know, know. That, that were amazing. 
I know we have European and Australian and whatnot listeners that have access to this. And that's why you see so many people that don't say they bet tennis. They trade tennis because it is like the perfect fast paced sport as far as just the swings going one way or another. You know, even within a single game, you can see both players being plus money. That's uh, it's a lot of fun if you can if you can stay on top of that. You don't need to have access to like Betfair or an exchange. I mean, you can do the same thing just live betting if you have the the right book that lets you get it down fast enough. And sure. I think uh, I think if anybody's into that, if anybody's like into live betting back and forth, then I see a lot of people doing it in basketball. I think if yeah, anybody's into that, tennis. they should probably, better for give, yeah, yeah, give it a try in tennis. You're gonna love that. So. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, we, uh, last tiny, tiny, tiny last little tennis thought. Um, we're basically going to see a re- rerun of this exact scenario play out in the U.S. Open in, two, in a month and a half. Um, New York, Flushing Meadows, U.S. Open, the two and three seeds are going to be Rafa Nadal and Federer. They, in you know, I, I don't know this for sure because the seeding is quote unquote supposedly random. They desperately want to see Federer and Nadal play each other at the U.S. Open before they're too old to put on like a true show. So I think pretty highly likely that you're going to see them and quarters two and three uh and uh set up for a semifinal head-to-head uh and then the winner will take on Djokovic and I think that's I mean for the foreseeable future that's how uh you know that's how these uh these next couple slams are going to go in tennis yeah. until someone you mean you mean quarters giant step three and up. four I'm sorry yeah three and four yeah right 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 the the bottom half yeah, the bottom half three. is gonna right exactly the two and three seeds are gonna be uh the top seeds in third and fourth quarter and they're gonna end up in meeting head-to-head in the semifinal with the winner to take on Djokovic Djokovic is gonna probably have like just a wide open clean path to the final again um because uh there really are only three players on tour who matter on a slam nowadays so go figure um all right man let's talk about NFL right into NFL <laughs> no no pretext here um okay Today, we want to get into developing power numbers. Uh, we want to take a power number data set, um, kind of comb through the data a little bit, uh, make some observations, um, talk about how these can be utilized, um, and then, you know, kind of break down specific power number uh, power numbers that we have for certain teams for the 2019 season uh, and see do a little bit of a kind of a you know, gut check, a little truth, truth check on these. Yeah. Um, Maybe not only uh, how to use them, but how not to use them. Yeah. So power, power numbers, power ranking. What do you hear these called a lot of things? Um, what, what would you, how would you define what I'm talking about here? Power numbers for the NFL. And it's just not just the NFL, right? I mean, like power numbers exist for NFL, college football, basketball, oh, college basketball. Every, every, every sport can kind of be broken down. Uh, in a way where you can, you know, any sport that actually, you know, that, that blends itself to handicapping oh, and uh, versus a spread can be broken that. down I mean, as have, power numbers, right? I have power numbers. I have power numbers for golfers. Nice. I mean, you can do it for. I mean, there's people that do it with tennis. I know there's people that have rankings for tennis. Like so it, concept, it, it, you yeah, know, it's different sure. from sports. Actually, yes. you can do this with any sport, and it really, really, really goes back to the main underlying point we made. In back in like February or whenever, when we did our modeling podcast, and the main thing we tried to you know point out is when you do modeling, eventually what you're trying to do is get to the point where you can compare two teams. There's you know you you can run all these algorithms and look at all these numbers, but you need to be able to compare to either you know you have to compare something. 
You either have to compare two teams against each other or compare a team against a spread, a price, a money line. So I think, I mean, how I look at power numbers is, you know, in the case how we use them and how we're looking at them, you're giving each team a power number so you can compare it to another team, factor in some home yep. field advantage, yep. and come up with your own spread to compare. And then, and then you're doing a secondary comparison of the spread you've come up with against the number that is put out there by the book. Right, right. So you nailed it. This is all about developing a tool to appropriately capture the distance between two teams. Right? Like yes. that's that's all that you that, that is exactly what you want. You know, we're 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 dissecting a little bit here from calculating win probability. We are legitimately just saying what is the distance between these two teams? Uh, and ideally uh, and again, you know, we, we always say this whenever we talk about modeling, whenever we talk about developing, you know, a set of tools for handicapping, like there's no one way to do this. There are a lot of ways to do this. And these are a set of tools, a set of characteristics that you should be adapting, improving, um, evolving from week zero to week 17 in the NFL season. And the more data you get, uh, about your team and their ability to, you know, to perform, you know, above or below an average performance uh, should inform these power numbers week in, week out. So they should change every week uh, to reflect, you know, kind of the the um, strength of the team. Uh, and, you know, it's not something that everybody utilizes, but it's become, you know, pretty much the starting point for coming up with a point spread in football, both NFL and college. Uh, and I think it's pretty, um, it's pretty much sort of the way it's done by the bookmakers. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I mean, right before you said that, kind of where you were going with that, it doesn't have to be, you know, there's no right, there's no right way to do it completely. I mean, there's a, there's a definite path you might want to not veer too far from. But I don't think everybody, not everybody's just taking them and just making a comparison and saying, well, I make this one four. The book says three, so I'm betting it. I'm taking that three. You, you, you know, obviously you want to throw context into everything. It's just, and, and this is speaking from my experience. I use it more as a guideline to start identifying and maybe not even identifying some edges to dig a little deeper into. But I start looking at what am I missing if I have one that's way off. You know, if my numbers say this game is off by like three points, that's that's a lot. And I need to start digging into like, did I miss something? What's going on? Am I just that freaking smart? Or, you know, is, is there something major I'm missing on one or you know, it could be both the teams. You could be off by a point and a half on both teams, and it's 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 lending itself to show a big difference. So I think I think you do kind of gotta find your own way with these and decide how you want to use them, whether you know, like you said, college. I know a lot of guys who have really good power numbers in college, and that is kind of a sport where you can you can find value right away just comparing your number to the line. I know there's people that just pound openers because those are super soft. You'll see a ton of movement, a ton more movement in college football off the openers based on the power number guys just hitting those early numbers. So in in, in the NFL, I think it's a lot tighter, and it's just more of a guide for me. I don't know how you maybe without giving away the, all the magic secrets, how do you use them? 
Yeah, I in the same way you do. Like I look at a difference. You know, I I, I it's a I kind of view all kind of modeling all power number whether you do a power number or whether you do an algorithm to come up with the score prediction whatever you're doing um i'm always kind of you viewing that as sort of a first crack a tool and then take it from there in terms of broadening your handicap around that projection you know and it's you know we talk about this all the time too it's good to have something you don't want to just be betting with your gut you want to be you want to have some set of numbers in front of you and this is a pretty kind of it's a pretty simple and elegant way to do it, I think. And the fact that the bookmakers are doing it this way also in general, I think lends itself also to kind of putting yourself on level playing field with the people who are making the numbers. Uh, and so I think it's worthwhile. Um, and you just like exactly like you said, if you have a difference between your power number spread and, uh, and what the opening line is for any given game, um, you have to think to yourself, you know, is, is this a bookmaker error or is it a, uh, is it a, is it a, my error? <laughs> right. Cause it could be both. It could be a combination of both, you know? So the, that's kind of uh, fundamentally what we're talking about here. And, you know, the idea of how you go about making like a power number. Oh yeah. Well, I mean the, the idea of how you go about well, making just a power getting, number, getting into the head. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Like for getting sure. in, yeah. getting into their minds, like getting into their mindset a little. I like that a lot. Right, right. And um, I guess a good example that I wanted to bring up is uh, Sagarin for college football, right? Like at this point, like his power numbers for college football teams, like are so widely respected that, I, you know, I, I personally think that a lot of bookmakers probably are looking at those before they hang anything uh, because they know that the public at large will have, you know, general agreement with what Sagarin has to say. Right. And, you know, that that was actually my very first exposure ever to power numbers when I was like, what in the world is this column in the paper below the line, Sagarin numbers? Like, what are the what do these mean? You know, and it's got the little key at the bottom and it's basically like to determine the point spread between any two teams, take the two Sagarin numbers and subtract three from the home team. Right. And basically just like this is what the spread should be. And uh, do you remember that? You read the USA Today. That was definitely yeah, in USA Today when we were growing up. That was definitely. Oh, we for sure. The colorful yeah. newspaper. The colorful one, right. In the red sports section. Was it was sports red? I think it was. Um, anyway. I think it was uh, red or green. It was red or green. Like, you know, green was money. And then uh, purple was life. Red was the sports, I think. Anyway, um, we're way off track here. But, yeah, that was kind of my first uh, introduction to this. And, and uh, I digress. Uh, and, um, you know, I, w- I would say now – uh, for the most part, I'm interested in knowing power numbers, specifically like what the opening books are using for NFL power numbers, just so that I can, if you, if I'm keeping up with it week in, week out, and I'm looking at, okay, well, last week, this team was a four. This week, there are three. They've downgraded them one, uh, you know, one point. And it's because it's not based on injury. It's because their performance was, you know, was overestimated last week. And now it ought to be like here, right? Like you can, you, you, what, what I'm much more interested in than the number, the raw number itself is what are the bookmakers? How are they making adjustments? What are the dynamic forces that are changing their perspective on these teams week in, week out? Uh, Because then you can identify pretty clearly some instances where, 
they've over adjusted or under adjusted based on what you're seeing with the box scores, with the data, you know, with the numbers, right? That's kind of my fundamental uh, way I, I use them. Uh, and it's, I, I guess it's worth kind of qualifying. I'm saying four, three, whatever. Like my entire perspective on this revolves around an average team having a power number of zero, right? So zero being the baseline for a team in the NFL. And if you have a, you know, if you have uh, a power number, that's a six, then I would say you are a good team and you would be expected to beat an average team on a neutral field by six points. That's the type of line you would expect. Uh, and vice versa. If you're a team like a minus three, you're a poor team. Uh, and you would be expected to be lined as a min- as a, a plus three underdog on a neutral field against an average team, right? So kind of hearkening back to last year's Super Bowl, which we know was held on a neutral field, uh, Patriots were two and a half point favorites. Uh, at that time, you would have said Patriots, you know, bookmakers are, are hanging. They opened this line at uh, Patriots minus two and a half. They are telling you, that the Patriots have a power number that is two and a half points greater than the Rams. Is that all, Jeff? Yeah, and I think there are kind of two domain systems your way where it's set at zero, and you do see some people setting, I mean, let's just say Miami at zero, the worst team, Arizona or Miami. You, You see that too where, you know, it goes from like zero to Oh, you know, 10, 15, somewhere in that general vicinity. I guess it's another one of those things, personal preference, however you like to, however the math works in your head the best, but I do prefer yours. That's what I use for most things is a positive negative number where you you, know, you try to set the mean at zero. That the average team, your Baltimore's apparently. I'm looking at the you know, the the Atlanta Carolina line in this uh, the numbers I'm looking at right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then uh, diving into it a little bit deeper, then um, you know what a relative power number means. What a uh, you know what I guess before we get to even like how you would get there. Um, home field advantage is important and home field advantage is treated differently in a lot of ways. Um, there are people out there with a lot of data and a lot of, uh, data regression skills that would tell you home field advantage is as easy to find out as combing through the results, uh, and specifically looking at, okay, well, if you look at all of the NFL games in the last 20 years, on average, the home team wins by three. Right, so that's a fine place to um, to start. Basically, the performance of a team at home relative to their opponent is three points better than uh, you know. So basically, there's a shift in the distribution. Uh, now you could go through. It's almost like it. its own mini power numbers. Yeah, that's true. Like that's absolutely true. In this case, zero. The zero is three, and yes. a much smaller range. A much much right. smaller range. That's right. Um, and you know, so so. Presumably, and you can do this kind of thought exercise in your head, uh, teams should have unique home field advantage um, because home field advantage, as we know, is not, it's not, um, you know, on average, it's three, sure. But without a doubt, some teams that have um, travel 
weather, fan base, uh, you know, know, factors can have greater home field advantage. Uh, And others like the Los Angeles Chargers who play in a stadium with 15,000 people that are mostly the opposing teams have almost no home field advantage. So it's uh, there are a bunch of different kind of contributing factors to this advantage and not all teams are equal. And I'll be, I'll go even a step further and tell you that not all teams have a static home field advantage from week one to week 17. I will tell you that the Denver Broncos have a greater home field advantage early in the season because players are less in shape and playing at altitude is that much harder. Similarly, if you're going down to Miami or Tampa or Jacksonville, if you're playing in the, you know, in the, and the hundred percent humidity uh, and you're a team that, uh, that, you know, spent their entire training camp in the uh, beautiful Northern uh, States doing your, your prep for the season, you're going to have a tougher time uh, early in the season. So uh, in my opinion, there are clearly examples of extreme conditions, both hot and cold that change a power number for a given team over the course of the season. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, like you said, the the Florida teams and the humidity early, the like New York, New England teams, some of the outdoor teams up up north when it gets cold, Denver early, um, dome dome teams, if they're good, I feel like you you see like the dome advantage, it just sucks if the team's not great. But like if you get a team that's making a run, like New Orleans when they are they've been good the past few years, late you know even not even just late in the season, but when the fan base is energized and they they have that whole just giant noise filled bowl, whether it's you know whether it's them or I, I guess I can't throw Detroit in there. Seattle, I got to think. Similarly, even though yeah, they're not you know, in the Seattle, dome. Yeah, Philly, oh Philly in, in the Somehow NFC they, Championship they game. So loud. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of some of those home home field advantages are, I think they spike up as the team, you know, the fan base gets energized. Jesus, it's tough to play. It's tough to go play in like New Orleans in the playoffs. I mean, you, you'd need the refs on your side. <laughs> I, I don't even think that one was in New Orleans. Yes, it that was. One, that one was in, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh man, that stinks. Um, okay, so the um, the home field advantage is, is a, is a key factor here. And, and to a degree kind of, you need to do some homework and, and think a little bit more, um, you know, think a little bit more dynamically in characterizing each team's home field advantage, especially, you know, over the I course of the season, of the easier sports for that NFL. You ever look at, Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe the, easy, I, think I mean, it's more, still, I think I'm not dynamic. saying, I'm not saying it's easy. No, it, it is dynamic, but I think it's easier because of you don't have many teams when people actually start trying to do the work on college football or college basketball yeah, for that's home true. field and that's home court. True. Yeah, that's true. The that's range, true. the range is bigger and there's so many teams. Like this this does let you focus in a little maybe that that's is a, the, that's, one that's of fair. the benefits that's fair. Yeah. for pro leagues. But yeah, you're I mean you're right. It's still a dynamic number and it's something you need to be paying attention to. Yeah. Yep. So um let's say you got that figured out though. And for the purposes of our discussion today, let's just pretend it's three, knowing very well that it's not three for everyone and it's not three for every team for the full season. Um, now, what do you think a reasonable range ought to be between the best team and the worst team in any given NFL season? Two touchdowns, three touchdowns, four touchdowns? 
Like what's a, like, like the <laughs> best, how much, how much better is the best team than an average team on a neutral field in a given year? On a neutral, I don't like it more than – I mean, 13. I don't even like to get to two touchdowns on a neutral. Mm, okay. Between top – between like, the best and the worst. Very, like the best team possible and the worst team. It's it's wild how how this, you know, the spacing isn't actually as big as people think. They're still yeah. professionals. It's still an yeah. NFL team. Yeah, I'd say thir- thir- I'm comfortable with like – if my range was at 13 from top to bottom, that's pretty comfy, and I'd probably like it smaller. So if the Patriots are hosting the Dolphins, uh, you're okay with a line of Patriots minus 16? Yeah. Okay. If, yeah, if they got right. through, that's fair. How about the Rams and the it uh, keeps Cardinals? It under- Same sort of thing? Rams Rams are, Rams don't have great home field advantage, I guess, so maybe not a great example. But but uh, Rams and Cardinals, 16, yeah, 14, 15, 16, and something like that. Yeah. You know what? I'd open at 14 with a juicy four. <laughs> okay. So, are you um, not getting excited? Are you, let's get excited. No, of course Jesus. I am. Of course I am. Oh, of course like that, I am. that little that little seven there, Jesus, that got me. Well, yeah, just oh. hypothetically, just, oh. just just spitballing about specific cases. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, so then, uh, so then we kind of have a ballpark to work in. Okay, so we should be talking about plus or minus about stay within plus or minus about seven. We want it. I personally want. Plus seven, minus seven is my range-ish. You know, I'm not, I'm not hardcore stick to that necessarily, but that's where I try to about have my range. Uh, and um, I like to have my average of across all teams being zero. Uh, so I like to center mine at zero, and mostly that's just so that I can kind of have a decent baseline, kind of year over year. Like if I run my numbers and I get a, you know, Patriots are an eight. I'm like, wow, this is a really freaking good team this year. Like, that, that's they're that much better than the average team in the league. Like, wow. You know, or like last year, the Cardinals, I think I had them at the end of the year. I think Cardinals had a minus eight or a minus nine. Uh, so I was like, wow, that is a really bad team. Like, holy crap. So, you know, I mean, like, I, I you know, it, it helps year over year. There. What's that? I mean, I think you're making a lot of points without even trying to. Maybe, maybe the, the point of that whole thing is don't be, you know, have your guidelines but don't be too rigid just because something falls out of those guidelines doesn't mean it's wrong like arizona was pretty putrid on both sides of the ball they didn't have any motivation i mean having them minus eight in your scale that doesn't seem like out of the realm of possibilities like no. it was way off or something <laughs> no. was jacked there no like, they were know, bad. yeah don't don't be rigid with anything I okay is a maybe a good brawl too now I'm going to give you kind of a two, try to two minutes kind of pitch you on the way I get a power number. And again, this is not necessarily to say there is, there is one way and that there, this is the right way at all. But I literally want to, and, and kind of, if this folds in directly into what I'm setting up here, which is where I want my average to be zero, because I want to take a completely neutral team from an offense and defensive standpoint. And I want to calculate, a, I want to project a score uh, through a number of simulations between any given team and this neutral team with exactly league average statistics in every category. Okay? So I do the exact same algorithm I would do to project a, a game score for any given matchup, except instead of using the actual opponent's strength metrics for offense and defense and turnovers, et cetera, I'm using league average 
and I project my scores. I'll look at the median projection in terms of the, the point spread difference without accounting for any home field advantage, and that defines my power number. Does that make sense? It wasn't two minutes. You got that out a lot faster than that. <laughs> okay. I'm a little okay. proud of you. Okay. No, it, it, it does make sense. I love comparing against the median. I like comparing against the average team just to having that baseline for comparison. It's like we said earlier, you have to compare or something. You know, these numbers don't mean shit if you can't compare it against something. And yeah. I, I do like, and you've, it's not like I've never heard this pitch before. You've explained to me before, obviously, <laughs> but I, I, do, I do like the way you do it. I think it, it, makes, it makes logical sense. And honestly, you've, it's not like you're hemorrhaging units in the NFL. You won last year again, so it can't be that wrong. Okay. So let's just say, for example, we go through this projection, we go through this, this exercise, uh, and I want to know what is my power number for Chicago. Okay. And I'm again, I'm completely putting this on a neutral field. I'm not accounting for Chicago's home field advantage. I'm literally just taking their offensive and de defensive metrics. I've made adjustments for them to account for my, you know, I've, I've established priors by having last year's statistics and adjusting for added pieces uh, and, um, and pieces lost uh, in a way that I feel is kind of a nice blend of qualitative and quantitative. Uh, and I have now um, a set of metrics to use in a forward projection. And I, 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 um, I run a number of simulations and I get, okay, my median projection says Chicago wins this game against this hypothetical team by three points. Chicago is a three. I repeat this for all the teams in the league. I ranked all my, all my teams and now one through 30 or yeah, one through 32. These are my power numbers for these teams. Um, it would be uh, useful at this point, and you know, and now I have power numbers. Like, without even doing kind of the same exact process to do projections for week one games, I can literally just say, okay, well, uh, who's who's Chicago playing week one? They're playing Green Bay. Okay, I've done this exact same exercise for Green Bay. I have Green Bay as a as a one. I have Chicago as a three. They're playing. We they're playing the first game of the season on Thursday night football, at uh, at Soldier Field, right? Early bear in the weather. season, early in the season at Soldier Field. It's not bear weather at, yet. It's not bear weather yet. I have a home field advantage for them of three. Okay, so the difference between my team Chicago at three and Green Bay at one is two points. I had home field advantage of three, and I would expect to see something like Chicago by five. Okay. Do you remember what they opened at? Out of curiosity, I think it was four and a half. Four and a half. So I'm not that far off I'm, from Vegas. I'm off by a half point from Vegas. Not that crazy, right? No, and and some of this, it's it's almost a little counterintuitive when you start running into this and be like, oh, you know, you, you think I'm looking for something that doesn't match, so I can make a bet on it. And finding out you're really close to the Vegas numbers. Oh, that's no fun. Oh, it's, it's probably a good thing. Like, yeah, right. If you're Not way off game, on you're like 14, if you, if you have like 10 that are off by several points, you need to start over maybe. Like, not for sure. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe you cracked it safe and you're going to get rich. But most of these should be close. It's, it's like my college basketball. Like, I would play 10 games on a Saturday, but it's because there's like 170 of them. 
Yeah, like, right. 160 of those games would be very, very close to the line. That's Some true. of them just dead on. Same thing, you know, same thing goes with our NFL stuff, or I'm, I'm sure with your NBA power numbers, some of that stuff too. It's like a lot of this stuff is going to just land right on because they have any information you have, they have. So, I yep. mean, you really got to find something you if you want to be really finding some heavy edges. Yeah. I think, uh, and we'll, we'll get to this later in the, the summer. But no, too, but, but let, let's take another yeah, step forward. Yeah, let's yeah, take another yeah, step yeah. forward. Uh, all we've done, to, all we let's take another step forward though, because all we've done at this point is compare two teams and come up with the five, okay? And but we did it in a super yeah. simple way possible, which is just comparing these teams to how they match up against league league average. That's all we've done. Now you can blend the, uh, you know, you can blend each team's strengths and strengths and weaknesses through a more complex algorithm and project and you know simulate games and project scores. And I might come up with a distribution where the median isn't five anymore. Right. Like there. And and oh, by the way, like I'm actually using like relative um, I'm using a discrete distribution of uh, points scored given a performance level so that I get actual NFL scores more often because I think that's important, uh, an important aspect so that you're not projecting like, you know, twenty two point five point point seven to uh to 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 twenty six point one and you know you're like okay well it, you know it's not is there is there line. is no there's not and oh by the way is it actually possible to have you know uh you know or does that actually does that actually mean you have value on minus three if you're if your difference between your two teams is is three point you know three point three six two you know, like it, they, they, there, there are a lot of kind of nuances to this and the way I do things that are a little different probably than other people. But, but with, so, so for sure, I want to actually now take two teams against each other and repeat the process to get an actual um, kind of median score projection that I have higher confidence in. Um, but again, this is, again, we're talking about power numbers. We're talking about a place to start. I want to, you know, I just want to know, like, if my gut is telling me when I woke up, like, Man, Green Bay—they're gonna get Aaron Rodgers back this year. They got a new coach. They made a bunch of draft picks on the defense. Like they're gonna be—they're gonna be uh, their dogs with a chance in this one, right? Like four points—that's way too many, right? Like I could get myself worked up just kind of making this pitch if I've kind of already gotten a preconception that I want to bet Green Bay Week One, right? But I can then right right away go to these power numbers and I can look and I can say, oh no, actually, you know what? Four, four and a half, five. That's fair. Is that Jeff? And that's, and then, yeah, once you get there, it's just like what you said with your secondary steps. You have to take a deeper dive. See yeah. what I did there? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, this is, this is just, this is baseline. This is baseline stuff just to see, to see if you're in line with the market to start off. And like, I'd say more often than not, when I'm off, I find out why rather than oh, yeah, I find sure. out why I'm right. For Where sure. it's like, all right. And and th that's a good way to keep your numbers in line and, and tweak some things and just stay up on all the news, stay up on all the, the you know, the matchups and just everything. And when I say matchups, I mean, you know, player to player, strength to strength, strength to weakness. You start diving into some efficiency numbers. And like you said, you just, after this first initial step, you have to take some further steps to actually yeah. start to identify the edges. But this is such an important first step. Here's what I'll here's what I'll say when I have a when I have a mismatch, right? When I say and I'll say a mismatch when I have a mismatch over one and a half points is when I really start to raise my eyebrows. 
Uh, and I will say 20% of the time I go in and I'm like, man, the market, the bookmakers, they are re- way overestimating this team based on what they just did on primetime. Right. And, or they are way undercounting this situational factor that I know is predictive. Uh, and, you know, and I look at the, I look at the misfit I have and I look at the, you know, what the book, what the line is. And I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. And it's, and it's something that I have in my pocket that I feel is predictive and, and an actionable edge. I would also say 20% of the time I look at the misfit and I can never get to the bottom of why I have a disagreement. And then I would say 60% of the time it kind of falls in the middle. Like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm accounting for this injury a little bit more than the books are there. You know, I, I think the, you know, the fact that the starting center is out means more to this team being, you should be downgraded more or, you know, they're, they're accounting for a buy for a point and a half. And I only have it for a point for this team, you know, so sometimes it's kind of just a blend of in, in between the two, like, you don't not a hundred percent sure why you're different, oh, yeah. but it's it's explained. You just said there the blend. Yeah. Where yeah. Most of the time that's you're off is. and they're you know, you're both off. Right. Or maybe right. maybe you should be you should be a little closer to them, they should be a little closer to you. It makes the overall difference look a lot bigger than it should be. And I mean, if you can't identify why, that's probably not a great market to bet into anyway. That's you really exactly right. Know why. <laughs> you really should know why. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think really what we're talking about is maybe 20% of games, I feel like I have an actionable edge and I make a bet. 20% of the games, I may have a misfit and I stay away. Uh, and then 60% of them, either we agree or, you know, we, we just, you know, I, I can explain the differences in a way that I think, you know, okay, this is not actionable. So, um, okay. So, what, I mean, I guess what I'm going a, a long way around kind of explaining here is like, it would be really cool if like you had your power numbers and you had the bookmakers power numbers and you could kind of compare them uh, and just see where you're different. Right. Like that, that sounds good. Right. That's a good hypothetical. I mean, I guess, but how are we going to find those? Oh, we got to get full on full full on full on Daniel ocean set up uh, oceans 11 heist crack into the, uh, uh, into the Caesar sports book and yeah, steal you are a Patriots numbers. fan. Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> this is not rehearsed by the way. This is all spontaneous. Um, and, uh, okay. So no, no, but, but, uh, but, Oh, Oh, but what if I told you that there is a way to know exactly what the power numbers in Vegas are as of this moment, would that be something you'd be interested in? <laughs> would that interest you in I any way? You're- you already sent it to me. I have it. Oh, you already. Yeah. No, I mean. Um, okay. Yeah, I have. No, then this right. is this is great. This should be done every every summer in the back. There, I mean, they they just hand yeah. you these. They, they give you all the openers give for they the whole not yeah. not week seventeen. No, we don't have to go. We don't have season. to. We don't have to get. And, you can and do with eight. Get, uh, what's the uh, what's the what's the pink stripes guy for the Patriots? Uh, Eddie, uh, um, can't remember his name. Whatever, the pink stripes oh, guy for the pages. We don't have to. We don't have to get him to uh, to steal the uh, to spygate the uh, the power numbers for us. They give them to us, uh, and they give them to us in the form of look ahead lines for all sixteen games this season. They've already put all of their cards out there, uh, and when I say they, I'm specifically referring to CG Technologies, who uh, at the beginning of May published look ahead lines for weeks one through sixteen. 
they never published week 17 because who the hell knows who's going to start that week and they don't want to take that liability. So they publish look ahead lines for 16 weeks of the NFL season. You can walk down there right now and put a bet down on any line that you feel is off week 11, week 14, week eight. It's all there available for you. Uh, a full, uh, a full 16 weeks of games. I know people who do that with some degree of success. We definitely, and that is a, that's a lot of fun when you see. I can't think. Oh, winning picks that guy, oh, Minnesota yeah. guy. By the way, he, he does yeah. that. He pick, he'll pick out eight to ten, and that's always a lot of fun to follow that because it'll get to be like week six or week eight, and you know he'll be like, hey, you know the the Chiefs are minus three. I have plus one. So. <laughs> yeah, like- How's that possible? <laughs> congrats congrats yeah. to yeah. you know, congrats to me because these you know you say they they line all sixteen weeks and earlier we said these are living breathing numbers that you need to adjust throughout the year. If you do and can identify early edges, you can get some pretty sexy numbers if you're betting a game eight ten weeks at a time. Yep, yep. So let's go through a little thought exercise then. Uh, if I have sixteen weeks of data. Uh, for if I have, if I have sixteen weeks of lines, um, how how do I, what do I do with this? What do, how do I go about decon deconvoluting this mess into a set of power numbers that reflect what the bookmakers think the relative strength of each team compared to an average team is as we head into the twenty nineteen season? I mean, you just start picking apart their lines. If uh, you know if A equals B and B or if A is bigger than B and B is bigger than C, then A is bigger than C. What's it? Uh, yeah, the transitive. The transitive. The transitive. Yeah, the transitive property. You, 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 you got start, it exactly. Exactly. You got it exactly. Um, yeah, you, you so, start picking out. You, you have to use the home court or home court, home field, obviously. But you just start picking out. Well, Philadelphia on a neutral is four points better than the Giants. Yeah. And Chicago on a neutral is three points better than the Giants. So Philly is one, one point better than Chicago in this. Chicago, game. you got it. And you you just start filling it out, and and it's not going to be perfect. Like as you go through this, there's going to be half point differences and. You just kind of come up with a, a general consensus, an average, a nice median, or a mean for some of these numbers, and there you've done it. I mean, you do this every yeah. summer. It's a nice little tool, and it's yeah. a great starting point because yeah. you did – basically, you did zero handicapping on these teams. <laughs> you just took all the lines. I mean, you took the lines they gave yeah. you and say, Back well, here's – it's not perfect. It's roughly what CG Technologies thinks these teams should be rated in, you know, a comparison against each other. Yep, yep. And but but and I'll I'll go even a step, I'll go a step further and why this is so useful and helpful because now we have a place to start, and we have <laughs> we have week two look ahead lines, right? And come September twelfth or whatever. After Monday Night Football is a wrap, we will have week two. Oh, actually, after Sunday Night Football is a wrap, uh, we will have after after the Pittsburgh Steelers shock the Patriots in week one in Gillette. Make uh, we, mind w- here. <laughs> we will have uh, week two openers. Okay. And the week two openers are going to be different than the week two look aheads. And in fact, if you just look at, okay, um, we expected, you know, Patriots to beat, I should give you a real example, but. If I, if well, I you know whose really fault it closely. is? It's you. It's you, listeners. 
You're going to overreact. <laughs> You're going to overreact. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to overreact. They're going to make some adjustments that are based on real, uh, you know, real differences between how a team actually performs and what was expected of them. For sure. There will be those type of real adjustments. Um, but there will also be adjustments that are overreactions and underreactions. And we, but we want to know what those are. Like, that's really all I'm getting to. We have a week zero uh, or, you know, we have a pre-week one set of power numbers. We're going to have a week two set of openers that are going to be different than the week oh, two look-aheads. And we are going to know. We're going to know. The denouement uh, here. <laughs> what's the denouement? The, the comparison. No, finish. I love this part. Okay, yeah. So, we yeah, basically, Pittsburgh upsets the Patriots week one. Sunday Night Football, everyone's watching. Instead of New England opening minus eight and a half against Miami, they open up at minus seven and a half. And uh, this is not a very, uh, this is actually not a very good, uh, this is not a very good example because well, I can't it's imagine. not a good but, example, yeah. but you, but, yeah. but, I, hopefully but, people get it. Like, but basically, yeah, but basically, you can, can see say, what their adjustment is. You can see what their adjustment is. They started out with New England at five and a half. Miami performed exactly as expected week one. New England underperformed. They moved Miami. I mean, they moved New England from five and a half to four and a half, right? So some of this is subjectivity because you're going to have to understand if a game is has been changed by a point by a point and a half. You're going to have to know did they move this in the direction of, uh, you know, this team being worse than expected, this or this the other team being better, right? And also for sure, you're going to have to look at some games and say, okay, well. Both teams underperform. There's a potential that if you don't make any adjustment on either team that underperform, then you could be, you know, like there, there is some of that. So, and in fact, what I, I usually like to do is look at, I usually wait until we have a look ahead line for the following week. Cause it's just more information, right? If you get your yeah. week two openers and you get your week three look aheads, now you have exactly the map of the data space to tell you how every number is changed with the books and once you have the deltas, now you are free to go to your data set, compare your notes about the games, uh, and come up with some qualitative and quantitative assessments as to whether what they did from an adjustment standpoint captures the reality of the teams over or underperforming or is an overreaction or underreaction. And you know from there, helpful? yeah, go ahead. If I did a blog if about somebody, this? <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah, I don't, well, not just now, but if somebody would screenshot all these, I mean, I guess I already have to, but if somebody could screenshot these and then release them each week and say, hey, it's it's less, you like, it is a rolling, like you said, it is a rolling thing, but especially, like, let's, let's illustrate this in week two. Let's really illustrate it and say, hey, here's what, here's what the shit was over the summer and here's what it is now. And really maybe we'll talk about that on our week two podcast. Just, it's a good this idea. This is a good follow-up to the power number thing and say, here are some of the adjustments. And, you know, you say you do have to figure out who overperformed, who underperformed. Sometimes both teams over or underperform almost equally. The line stays the same, but the power numbers should move. And yeah. in that case, I mean, there's a pretty easy metric to know whether a team under or overperformed. I mean, did they win the game as a favorite? Did they cover? You know, did they score a lot of points? Was their offense efficient? There's a ton of ways to tell this. You, you don't have to. I mean, there is some guesswork, but it's you know, a team can't lose by four touchdowns, and and the line doesn't move. You can't say, well, they didn't underperform because the line didn't move. Did their opponent get the shit kicked out of them too? 
you know, did they both move down? You you do have to take a lot of factors into 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 account here, and I think it's definitely worth talking about when we do get to week two to really illustrate it with some real life examples because it won't be hard. We'll stick our hand in the bucket oh, and pull yes. out five. Like this, oh, yes. this happens every year. Week two is one and of the It'll be fun, fun to track handicap. this throughout the season. Week week two really is one of the most fun handicap of the whole fucking year. There it's it's not even close. Um <clears throat> okay. Uh, you're not wrong. Um okay, so let me go back two steps and just kind of put a finer point on how we got these so you know we're not just spinning bullshit. Um <clears throat> we take two <laughs> We take <clears throat> two hundred and forty data points, which is the spread for 15 games for for uh, for each of the uh, 32 teams. <clears throat> and we do the exact thing that Andy brought up, which is the transitive property on these teams. Uh, and <clears throat> we calculate an average, um, a running average of the, uh, of the power number for each team. Uh, and then we calculate an error <clears throat> between what the implied power numbers would give you for that game in terms of a spread and what the actual look ahead line is. And then we iterate this process until we minimize the error across all 240 games so that we have a set of power numbers that is a baseline average that best captures the shape of all teams relative to each other based on this 240 game sample period. Did you put that out already? Should we put that? Let's put that out. I mean, it's, it's not uh, yeah, like yeah. proprietary. Oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna do exactly what we did with the kind of the prices last week where I tweet the podcast is available and then follow up like a little later, like, Hey, this is a helpful little tool to help you go along and this interpret what, what we're talking yeah. about. <clears throat> um, so yeah, so, if you do want to see the final result of that work that whale did and yeah, we'll uh, tweet it out. you know, the baseline semi, I'd say semi normalized, you know, adjusted for minor errors, power yeah. numbers given to us yeah. by the, the good folks at CG. Yeah. And there's a couple of look ahead lines that immediately pop. By the way, I'm not going to spoil the surprise. You can do that work yeah. for yourself. But there's look a couple, for That'll be a good little treasure hunt. Yeah, a couple couple of look ahead lines that are off by two two and a half points from their books, their own from their own look from their own season long average power numbers for these teams. They are off. And I did this exercise because I was curious if CJ CG Technologies like if they accounted for buys. And, you know, before the season started, I was just curious, like, how much of there is their adjustment for a buy? Like, is there a specifically like a point misfit every time a team is coming off their buy? And, you know, is, is it just a point? Like, I was curious about that. Uh, I won't spoil the results of that. You can check for that for yourself. Um, and, you know, I was also curious, like, are there other situational angles? Like, are divisional matchups generally lined closer? Like, you know, like are f- public teams shaded at home? You know, I was looking for those sort of things. Uh, in the data just to see what else they do when they build these power numbers to try to reduce the error across all all 240 games. But uh, I won't spoil any of that. You can kind of dig into that yourself. It's a great thought exercise. Um, But here we are. We have a full set of power numbers. I have 32 of them. I have a power number for each team. It is normalized to zero. Uh, And what do you know? The highest is five and a half and the lowest minus five and a half. So in general, just like we kind of talked about with the, um, the spread of season-long win totals being a little narrower than what your gut would tell you, than what the historical data would tell you, same, same damn thing. The spread of 10 between the best team and the worst team in the NFL, I don't buy that for a heartbeat. I think it is almost certainly broader than 10. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, yeah. I like I said, thirteen. Thirteen. That's right. That's like right. It. Yeah, yeah. Thirteen. Is and fine. and and like also like I said, there the rigidity can't be there. It's at least it can be it's at least there are years. Yeah, it's at I'm least. I'm gonna 12. say There's yeah, a, this year coming plus. coming into this coming into this. Coming into the season, there is at least a team that ought to be six, and there is at least a team that ought to be minus six. That is my opinion on this. Um, okay, I like so how then, it came all together at the end. Don't you just feel like a math teacher? Like <laughs> a little bit. We just showed it at the end, like the like the quadratic equation, and it worked out. It equals zero. <laughs> what do you know? What do you know? Um, the other thing that was funny about this exercise is once I had uh, an, a set. Uh, I forgot to mention this. Once I calculated a set of. Um, of power numbers that was stable with the minim- minimal error using an assumed home field advantage of three for all teams. Then I repeated the exercise, allowing the home field advantage to float uh, between three and a half and two. Uh, and I got what actually the baked into the uh, baked into the, um, the look ahead lines, home field advantages for each team. Now is interesting and surprising. A lot of numbers I don't necessarily agree with too. Uh, so we'll post that as well because it's kind of it's kind of fascinating. And Go ahead. I mean, to be fair to those numbers, I we had this discussion off air like last week or whenever when you pop these. Some of them maybe we could disagree a little, but we do have to remember they're season long. You know, this isn't maybe something that should be, let's say it's a three and a half. Maybe it shouldn't be a three and a half in September. Uh, like take Buffalo. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's closer. It's closer to a three, maybe even less like a two, seven, five in September. And it's closer to like a three, seven, five when you get to, or maybe even four, if you get some really cold weather, like uh, on, on the full grand scheme of things, those home field advantage numbers are for all eight home games. And you do have to look at that a little, although I still think Denver is a stupid high. Dallas too. Yeah, no disagreement. Um, yeah, this will this will be sure to to fire up some uh, some conversation, if nothing else. Um, just out of interest for the purpose of talking about on this podcast, the number one team in the book's power rankings is your Los Angeles Rams, five and a half. And number thirty two is your Arizona Cardinals minus five and a half. Um, So we would expect to see uh, week 17 when the Cardinals head down to LA, even though there's not a look ahead line, we can take these numbers and combine them in a way that would tell us that the Cardinals would be expected to be 13 point dogs on the road. Oh, I'm sorry. 12 and a half point dogs on the road because the Rams home field advantage is only two and a half. Um, so that's kind of a forward extrapolation to week 17. That that's kind of important only if you're going to, if you're going to use the look ahead numbers as a way to try to come up with the total wins for each team, then you need to forward project what week 17 lines might look like. Uh, and this is a useful way to do that. Um, so that's another little Easter egg there. Um, as you look up and down, number one, are you surprised the Rams are first? And not the Patriots. I was going right to ask now. you about that. Do you yeah. go? Do you? Are you going to the tenth? Like you, you've only expressed it to the tenth. You know, to the half. You're rounding. Yeah, half. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there? You have three teams at five point five. Yes. Is there a tiebreaker in there that you have the Rams rated ahead of New England and Kansas City? Yes. So what? Those is, three teams at five. Right. Great. Great question. What I did was I solved it. I minimized the error 
as small as it possibly could be. So the Rams are actually like 5.723, right? And then I rounded it to the nearest half. I rounded, I round, so, so basically I, I calculated everybody's number out to 50 billion decimal points. Uh, not really. I kind of calculated everybody's number out to like 10 decimal <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah. Calculated I do, and I do like, like the conditional formatting. Points. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I love the green. For sure, red. for sure, for sure, oh, for sure, for sure, fan. for sure. Um, yeah. So I, I calculated the numbers way out, uh, and then I, um, uh, I ranked them, and then I rounded them to the nearest half point. Um, so your Rams are five and a half. Uh, Patriots five and a half. Which would be, which would mean, uh, if they met in the Super Bowl rematch tomorrow, Vegas would line this as a, uh, uh, as a pick'em. How about that? Interesting. They what wouldn't. about the what has happened in the offseason that, the, <laughs> that, that, that we went? No, they, no, they definitely wouldn't. They know they're going to be paid. But again, but actually, you know what? That's a good jumping off point. <laughs> Patriot money. There be, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but but that's actually another good point uh, is if you have power numbers uh, for these teams and nothing has happened uh, from week to week, two teams were on by, but then they open a line that is shaded one and a half, two points toward a specific team, like, they absolutely do that. They are not perfectly faithful to power numbers. No one is. They absolutely are, are you know, are thinking about risk management, and there are a million different decisions that go into actually opening a line uh, before they start taking action uh, that influence that number beyond just power numbers. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. I mean, they just, they know. They're not dumb, obviously. They're still open. So if some document existed that was like, this is CG Technologies' actual power numbers, and it had five and a half for the Rams and five and a half for the Patriots, we wouldn't actually expect to necessarily see them open any different than Patriots minus two and a half, right? I would bet I would bet their power numbers were very close for the last Super Bowl. I would bet they were I, too. I really doubt I really doubt the Patriots were two and a half points higher in their rankings. Like that was clearly that. a choice. That was a, that's a stand a stand they have to take. And I mean, they they got bathed in Patriots money as it was. If they yep. would have gone to pick them, it'd have been eighty. Bloodbath, bloodbath. Yep. Um, the uh, the yeah, it would have been really bad because they wouldn't even have gotten any Rams money at pick them. <laughs> it would have been really tough. No. They wouldn't have gotten the pro Ram money. Um, anyway, uh, so. Yeah. Uh, there are some notable worthy kind of, you know, Patriots lost Baronk, Patriots have lost some free agents, Patriots have lost some coaches. So if you want to tell me that, yeah, they're tied at the top at five and a half now, and that's on the basis of having downgraded the Patriots by a, by a point and change uh, because of some of their losses, then yeah, okay, that's fine. Uh, also, if you wanted to convince me that the books start with the Patriots lower to begin with and then ramp them up as the season goes on and they get better, I would also buy that because that's what my numbers look like from start of season to end of season with the Patriots. So um, that's something else I should do. I should track power number over the course of the season for teams and plot them all together so you can look at them. That would be fascinating. Um, I'm going to do that this year. Uh, actually, I should do that with last year's. I have all last year's. Uh, well, we'll see. I don't know if people will be interested in that. Just having a conversation that, so. over there with yourself. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, let's look at these power numbers in little specific I do, detail. I do think. Yeah, I do think. Some you tell. Good tell me, content tell, will yeah, be get, that week two thing. God, I'm pumped for week two already. Yeah, same. Uh, so, do you, you tell me as you look at these numbers? 
any of these specifically the power numbers now we'll stick we'll steer clear of the home field advantage discussion specifically the power numbers any of these surprise you a couple we can jump off and talk about how they got there why they might be there whether we agree or disagree um for the cleveland pick, pick a, hype yeah pick a green one cleveland's pretty hyped oh well let's just say well i'm in the yellow now cleveland's pretty hyped and they're a 0.5 yeah, um, so I, I guess I want to say something that something that doesn't surprise me: Chicago, Minnesota, and Green Bay bunched up together. Um, something that does surprise me is just how crazy, crazy high we have Seattle still, and I still just think Ooh. I'm just a Seattle hater. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's. Honestly, let's... I don't, I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think a lot let's... of this is too wild. Indy, Indy, I think is probably a point low. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's 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 dive into these a little more detail. Give people the actual numbers so they can follow along with us here. <clears throat> let's start with the NFC. Maybe, sorry, the AFC North that you brought up. Uh, <clears throat> Cleveland and Baltimore both point five. Uh, Pittsburgh one and a half. Uh, that does not jive with the current that market. That does not jive with the current market for who's to win the uh, a, uh, AFC North either. Um, you know, you would expect. You would expect, given um, Cleveland's favor favorability in that market, which reflects a lot of sharp money, I believe, has bet on Cleveland to win the AFC North. I do believe that. I say a lot of sharp money, enough to move the number. But to they, they bet it. They bet it at favor. a bigger number. <clears throat> they bet it at a bigger number. But it, I am looking at these numbers, and I am thinking that reflects the same thinking of the openers for those AFC North, right? Like so the so the the um kind of the specific uh, market uh, opinion on the Browns is not reflected in these yet. Does that make sense? Because how yeah, could and be? to be fair, there's no, two, no one, it's two separate markets. It's, it's two, two separate, separate markets, markets Will. Absolutely. You have the, the to win the division market is completely different than the fact that Cleveland needs a line when they play Detroit or whatnot. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's apples and oranges. Absolutely. So I, I guess the fact that they're a point lower than Pittsburgh isn't super surprising with Pittsburgh being the dominant force for the last decade, that division, Pittsburgh having some name power, Pittsburgh being a public team, they're going to be shaded higher. Maybe, maybe it's a half point high. Maybe Pittsburgh should just be shaded a little higher. But Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Baltimore being very close to each other—that's I—I I think that's probably fair. With Cincinnati yeah, I don't disagree with that. Too. I don't disagree floor. with that. I don't disagree with that. I You're going to see public make, teams getting getting that. Of course, I, I just wanted to make the point that I believe the way they opened the a AFC North odds with relatively, you know, kind of anticipating Pittsburgh money and getting Cleveland money, like that action has not been reflected in the week by week look ahead lines and it probably won't be like they're just not these are not heavily bet markets they're not going to take a lot of money on these these are not like college football game of the years where people were lined up outside cg tech to bet you know to to start hammering these on may whatever like i didn't even freaking i had to i had to dig and claw and ask friends like have you seen them yet i know they're out but i can't find these damn things like it is very very kind of well-kept secret so i'm just saying that like these are kind of raw in terms of they don't really reflect people's opinions that they bet into the win totals or bet into the division odds to this point. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, that's fair. 
Okay. So that we have more information in hand than actually is reflected in these power numbers. It's really all that I'm getting to. Um, but yeah, you mentioned yeah. uh, we'll, we'll definitely North. have to release this. Oh, we'll yeah. have to release this picture with the pod just so people can look at it and follow along. Oh, and, for, sure. for ah, sure. I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep into everything because we still got division previews. But yeah, like I said, the NFC North it's it's all close, and then you have Detroit about five six points lower than the the three kind of three co favorites. I think that's fair. Um, you know, Dallas won the division, but I think people know. Philly, Philly with the quarterback back. Philly's probably still the better team by a little bit. I guess I was surprised it was a full point higher with Dallas being a public team. I thought that would be a little closer and there'd be value on Philly, but uh, they didn't give us that. And yeah. I mean, the teams in red, This, if you're not looking at it, it goes from green to red, green being the good ones, red being Miami. Um, <laughs> and Arizona. I mean, nothing, nothing, yeah, nothing, nothing down there surprises me. I mean, those are the teams. I guess for all the public love, the Jets. Yeah, the past, like eighteen months of like the rebuild, they're a little low. I think maybe there's some value on the Jets. Oh, no, I, I really Buffalo. did think how, how Darnold. Darnold played. Yeah, Darnold played a lot better at the end of the season. I think the Jets are probably a little undervalued. Again, like I said, we'll we'll touch on that all when we get to the the FC East in the previews. Yeah, regular but, uh, season win num- regular Buffalo, season win numbers would Buffalo. tell you that Buffalo and the Jets would be about equal, but Buffalo is one and a half point lower than the Jets, which is fascinating. Yeah, Jets, and, and the again, Jets look hot, really. It is it is fascinating. It is fascinating doing this and comparing it against those markets, and I mean it just does reiterate what I said. They're completely different markets. Yeah, and it it maybe gives you an idea where to attack. Yes, if if these power numbers are saying. You know, one thing, uh, in this case, Miami is better, or let's see, the Jets, the Jets and Buffalo, is that what you're saying as far as win totals? Yeah. You know, this is saying the Jet. this is saying the Jets are 1.5 points better than Buffalo, but the win totals don't really reflect that. And yeah. I guess yeah. the point I just kind of made in my head was schedules aren't the same. Like, not all schedules are creative equal. So that's a little tricky too, but you know, if if this disagrees heartily with a different market, you know, maybe it's a different way to attack things rather than going after a win total. It's say, well, the Jets are kind of a bet on team when I'm in advantageous positions because I disagree with this. I disagree with the the dichotomy between the Jets and Buffalo in the sense. So here's a really funny fun experiment. Here's a fun experiment. Um, Buffalo and the Jets play week one. Uh, and the Jets are three and a half point favorites <laughs> at home. <laughs> uh, they have one of the smaller home field advantages across the NFL, according to these power numbers, at only two. Uh, so that's some of the reason you're seeing this one and a half point difference between Buffalo and the Jets. And I can pretty much tell you that Buffalo is going to be a popular pick amongst kind of the prognosticators for week one NFL to come away with the upset there. Um, but regardless, Cleveland is hosting Tennessee. They're five point favorites where i'm going with all of this is the week two look ahead right now monday night football uh a rematch of the very first ever monday night football game cleveland heads to the jets and the look headline for week two is a pick em. uh that reflects some of this kind of i think what i think is a little bit high on the jets a little bit low on cleveland what type of actual opener do you think we see Week two, Cleveland versus uh, the Jets. 
I don't know, dude. <laughs> That's a toughie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been uh, look, and uh, to pat me wrong, on the back right? a little. I yeah, I know to pat me on the back a little here. Um, remember when I called it out? I said something stupid's gonna happen. Like Tampa Bay's gonna beat the Saints. Yeah, right. They did. They did. There's gonna be. There's. There's always a game. But like, yeah. There's. That's. That's again. Why week two is so fun because there's always a game like that. And that wasn't. That was a huge outlier. But there's gonna be like five or six other games where the underdog wins, or you know, a team covers by a lot more than they should have. There's gonna be some wild swings. So I. I hate trying to make a guess here. Like, I don't know yeah. what's going to happen in those week one games. Those could go completely ass backwards from where I think, and the line will go hard the other way. But I, I do think, I will say this, prognosticating that pick em won't exist. That's not going to be a, it's not no going to be a pick em. No I way. Really, I really don't, I, do, I don't see a scenario where that just remains that way. The, the way those first two games, will, or those two week one games won't go in such a sense where it'll just remain a pick em. That'd be very odd, in my yeah. opinion. So. Yeah. Browns, maybe, I mean, yeah, a Brown, if Browns win by a field goal and the Jets win by a field goal, maybe it's pick them. But, uh, but yeah, I think the Browns are going to be favored in that game, and I think it's going to be like two and a half to three. Um, anyway, yep. we'll have to wait until week two to find out. Um, anyway, so any other numbers as you, just, as you just look up and down? You mentioned Seattle being awfully high. Seattle's a two. San Francisco, minus a half. Uh, these again, kind of looking at the regular season win totals are not expected to be especially far away from each other in terms of season long performance, but you have a two and a half point gulf between these teams and the way that they were aligned, uh, preseason. That's pretty wild. Um, any, anything else that really just kind of screams like they have completely effed this up as you look up and down this list. Most of it looks pretty fair. I think those are some of the biggest ones like. Seattle's a bit high. The Jets are a bit low. Um, I am Dallas, way. I am. I am. High. I am Dallas way. Dude, I am way higher on the Atlanta Falcons than, the, than these numbers. 0. 0.5. Uh, yeah, I kind of am too, but not, the not Falcons that much. are not a league average. They got to prove it. They're not a league average team, though. They are getting so many important pieces back on defense that idea that they're going to have the same kind of wild injury look on their defensive <laughs> secondary just isn't there for me. I, this Falcons and I, I will caution you just looking, you know, just looking at this number, it's, you know, you can say, Oh, there are 0.5 that makes them a league average team. Uh, something we're not taking into account. It, you know, you're making these comparisons, Like you really are not taking much strength of schedule into account with this. Yeah, but this is really? like what we would. Ex- this is this is basically like how you know how the books are perceiving these. No, teams and, and I get it. I get it's a comparison. Season. Yeah, like I would favor. I, I would favor I get the it's Falcons. A comparison. It's a I, would fa- I think I would favor the Falcons over about two thirds of the teams in the league, uh, somewhere in that ballpark. Maybe not quite two thirds, but they're they're in like the they're in like the sixty sixth ish percentile, not the fiftieth, in my opinion. I want to be bullish on Atlanta. But I'm in wait and see mode because I've done this. I played this game before with them, so yeah. I am I'm on the same page. I just need I need a little nudge, okay. in, in terms of maybe a couple weeks. Of, and and if I if it costs me some uh, some you know advantageous lines in the first two weeks, so be it. Because okay. I I feel like it go the other way too. So I'm here's another and one. again yeah we'll, we'll get deep into Atlanta come 
Here's here's another one that's way off. You think Washington is really a minus three? I think they're substantially worse than that. I think this is like a league bottom team. They're going to be starting a rookie quarterback for crying out loud. Like I, I I would have guessed. I mean, in my in my numbers in my priors, you know, looking at uh, you know what what I would line Washington in expectation wise for the season, I'd be about minus four and a half, minus five almost. Um, the fact that they're minus three is crazy. That sets up a wild week too, where they're a pick 'em versus at home versus the Cowboys. Like in what universe is that game a pick 'em? Like <sighs> crazy? It's I mean, it's still a division. I mean, it's been. Pr- I mean, I think it's it's probably even been proven. Like division games are they're they're always going to be lined a little closer. Oh, he's got like a that. rookie quarterback though, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't see it. I don't know, man. That's going to be wild. Um. All right. Exciting stuff. Uh, I'm still. I, I don't want to go still, through everything. Yeah, I'm still yet. not fully on the. I'm still. Yeah, oh yeah, we gotta save this. Let's go the other way. Let's go the other way. I'm not. I'm not on Dallas. I, yeah. One that I very much do agree with is the relative space between Indianapolis and Houston. Indianapolis is a two and a half. Houston is a one. That that jives to me. I would. I, I would agree with you. I would make Indianapolis even a little bit higher. I would maybe have them at three and a half here, not two and a half, but. Houston at one feels right. Indianapolis should be around at three and a half. So I I, I agree with the space here uh, between those two teams, and I think that's that will will be reasonably well re- well reflected when we see them play. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't have lots of other opinions here. I think they're relatively fair. I just think they're a little bit too bunched together. Um, and then there's a handful of teams that I just strongly uh, disagree with one way or another. Um, but uh, but this is good. This is good. I love looking at this and thinking about lines for actual matchups. This is helping me kind of start to really get into the, uh, you know, get into the process of, of being prepared for the regular season. Should we wrap it up here? Share this with the people. Yeah, I think I think we we're pretty much already up like five units on NFL <laughs> by being so prepared. I agree. With did that. you look? Did you That's happen to look how obvious. you did in week two? Oh, last year. That was one of my best weeks of the season, I think. I just I went and checked. I went three and one. Oh, nice work, man! Nice work. Um, actually, you know the the end of the season. The end of the season uh, was really my bread and butter. Like week thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Um, basically, there just wasn't very many surprises. Like things went exactly as expected. There wasn't a lot of yeah. luck. There wasn't a lot of randomness. There wasn't a lot of variability. It was just like absolute, absolute. Um, I had a math question for you before we go. Yeah, what up? So, how many teams are in the league? 32. How many games are on any given weekend? Because you say you play twenty percent of the games. <laughs> like, on there's got to be like forty sides. teams then. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, you're right. Yeah, you do play a lot of totals. I, was I usually play shit, four. Like I usually play four. I, yeah, I usually play four or five sets. That's about right. That's about where I'm at. I, I do. I guess I did forget. You do play a lot of totals too. I play a lot of totals. And that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> that is a this is good. I enjoyed this for a different day. It did. This is good prep. Like I said, Whale did a lot. He did all the legwork for you. Thank him somehow. Maybe just a <laughs> thumbs up emoji. There you go. But thumbs he's gonna emoji. he's gonna post this. Uh, he's gonna yeah, post we- this picture. Yeah. Of us from the spreadsheet where he where he put together these power rankings. That way we'll know Cold people are actually listening numbers. to us too. That'll be cool. Yep. All right. Uh let's wrap this up, bud. Wrap it up. 
we're talking we're talking this is good we're doing we're doing a heavy dose of football uh, sorry fi- final final point heavy dose of football analytics on wednesday's pod we have a spectacular guest that i cannot wait to talk to to get into the nitty-gritty of um some of the analytics space and and try to weave that into an understanding of how we should forward project uh you know how we how we capture all of the cutting edge understanding of football uh in a way that makes us better handicappers it's going to be a great conversation and um we will talk to you then <laughs>